1: Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Women's Football Weekly with Fay Others on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Feet off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers.
2: Lana Cleland striking from outside the
1: penalty area. World beating, big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scores! Women's Football Weekly with Faker others on TalkSport2. Hello, hello, welcome to Women's Football Weekly and what a bonkers week it's been as West Ham and Spurs sack their managers on the same day.
3: West Ham United women have, by mutual consent, parted company with head coach Matt Beard.
1: Tottenham women have sacked head coach Karen Hills along with co-head coach
4: Juan Amoros.
1: Spurs waste no time though in appointing former England assistant coach Rianne Skinner. We sit down for a chat with the WSL's all-time top goalscorer
4: Vivienne Miedemar. It's something special and I'm pretty sure that once I stop playing football I'll reflect back on it and be like wow it was amazing and it's pretty really good what we, what we and I achieved. And we assess the championship season so far and shine the spotlight on Leicester
0: City captain Holly Morgan. And I'll never forget that game because it was just... It was a long season, and for us to be able to come out with that achievement of winning all of our games in the way that we did, I just, yeah, I, I won't forget that.
1: All that, plus we'll chat about the rest of the goings-on in the world of women's football. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye others.
4: Hi, I'm Gemma Davison from Tottenham Hotspur, and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Happy
1: Monday to you all. Now then, it wouldn't be Women's Football Weekly if I didn't have two fantastic guests for you to talk you through all the goings-on in women's football. It's a very good evening to Courtney Sweetman-Kirk, Sheffield United forward. How are you doing, Courtney? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very good, thank you. I'm sorry we're socially distanced and I can't see you opposite me, but, you know, I know you're here in spirit and I'll just have to listen to your lovely dulcet tones instead. Molly Hudson from The Times, how are you doing? evening fame good thank you how are you excellent very good thank you thought it was going to be a nice quiet week for us this week on women's football weekly but no 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 women's football does not stop so we're going to start with the shock sacking news from this week we don't get manager sackings in women's football very often do we but on thursday both west ham and spurs parted ways with three stalwarts of the women's game
3: Whipped over and flicked in for an own goal. Tottenham take the lead. Daly, surely this is the last chance. In from Rachel Daly. The staff have got something on it. Oh, and what an opportunity to win it right at the end for Ruby Grant.
5: Been the story of our season so far. You know, we had a period in that second half, especially coming out where we dominated the game and we've had two or three good chances, um, not taking them or we've made the wrong decision. And it's, it's, it's cost us today.
3: It's getting even worse this for West Ham because their captain, Jilly Flaherty, in amongst all of that, has been sent off by the referee, Abigail Burns. She was booked earlier in the game. It's the second yellow card for Jilly Flaherty. That finishes here, West Ham 1, Aston 9. The game's going to be one on who takes their chances and who doesn't. And unfortunately for me,
5: we've had numerous in the first half, a few in the second half,
3: um, and we've been punished. Midamar met meets in space and it's been played to her perfectly. Will she square it? She does fought and it goes in. Now oh, Caitlin Ford has another one and it finishes at Meadow Park. Arsenal six top of one. I
5: think we need to apologize to our fans for that first half. I think uh, we really work hard during the week. Uh, you know, I think that we, we work in a lot of things that we needed to be better and I think that goal really hurt us at the beginning of the game and, and after that we couldn't find our feet and we showed no passion and no desire in that first half and yet, yet the second half we
1: did and we did so, so much better and, and you know, it was, it, it was actually good, but it's too late. Today, after after we've gone down a
5: half time five minutes that's not acceptable for us as a club, for us as a team and we will look ourselves and uh, put it right because we believe in, 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 in this group of players and, and, and in what we're doing. So.
1: manager Matt Beard and former co-head coach of Tottenham Hotspur Juan Amoros there. Both uh, of these clubs have uh, suffered at the hands of Arsenal. uh, 9-1 for West Ham and 6-1 to Spurs. Thank you to Spurs TV as well for some of that. We're going to start chronologically though. Um, West Ham manager Matt Beard, fresh from his side's 4-0 League Cup win over Charlton left the club on Thursday by mutual consent. Uh, The former Chelsea and Liverpool manager had been with the club for two and a half years famously famously led them to the final of the women's fa cup last season but three straight wsl defeats uh, leaves west ham in ninth and they have parted ways uh, how much of a surprise was this courtney yeah a big one actually for me um
5: and it, i think it was you know by mutual consent as well i think matt did have quite a quite a big say in that one it wasn't dressed up as, as sometimes it is as a mutual consent and, and they get rid of the managers but yeah it, it's strange they've brought a lot of, of players in over the years obviously they've invested a lot of money so you know when you look at it that way they're expect you should be expecting big things from West Ham and you know starting to, well I'd say two and a half years now matt has been on board so maybe starting to push into that top six that top five and they've just just not done that so yeah, like Matt said, I think they maybe do and need a bit of a fresh challenge, and that's him himself, and also the club maybe need a bit of fl- fresh blood as a manager um, to push to that next stage, really.
2: Yeah, well, what went wrong for him, Molly? I think it's difficult. I think even when you look back at the previous seasons, you, you mentioned there they they had that run to the FA Cup final, and there have been moments where West Ham have played really, really well. And you know they've looked a great team and individual players but I think it's kind of inconsistencies where they seem to have fallen down um, and I think that's ultimately what has kind of caught up with them this season because the, uh, this season they haven't been able to get the wins at all or isn't it? They, they only had one win in the Women's Super League so I think throughout Matt's tenure I think he's admitted a bit of frustration with that inconsistency even last season but it just seems to you know be the right time for, for both parties for Matt and for West Ham to kind of go in a different direction.
1: Yeah, you mentioned there, Courtney, as well, um, that there didn't seem to be any animosity and and Matt Beard had kind of, you know, come to this decision himself and his statement kind of alluded to to that as well. He said he wanted to make a special mention of how brilliant the club's been with him, the team and his staff during the pandemic, particularly uh, during that first lockdown as well. He says West Ham truly looked after each of us as individuals on a professional and personal level and I'll be forever grateful for that. Um, So what next for Matt Beard then?
5: I'm not sure. I think he'll probably take a bit of time to to compose himself and, and spend some time with the family. I saw that video he he posted on Twitter thanking everyone and said he was going to spend some time with his family, which I'm not surprised about because obviously you know football football management is is a very sort of 24/7 job, and I think even when managers are at home, that they're, they're always thinking about the game. So I think he'll take some time, and I, I don't think he'll be short of offers to be honest. It wouldn't surprise me if he if he went back out to US. I, I, from what I know, he enjoyed his time out there. So that's an option. But I think, you know, regardless of what's happened with West Ham, there there have been a lot of highs in there. And as you say, that FA Cup final, um, got there so I've, I don't feel like he'll be short of offers.
1: No I'm sure he won't and he certainly isn't short of an offer here on Women's Football Weekly. I've already been in touch with him to get him on very soon so I'm sure you'll hear from the man himself here on Talk Sport 2 uh, within the next few weeks. Um, what next for West Ham though Molly uh, because you know the, they're going to need uh, an experienced coach to guide them through this next period.
2: Yeah I think so I think you you look at that kind of bottom half of, of the Women's Super League it is, it is quite tight down there and I think at, at least with someone like Matt you know it's an experienced pair of hands so it's really important that West Ham get this next decision right and you know I think if you look at any manager in the Women's Super League at the start of this season it's hard to look past Carla Ward Ward in the fact that you know how impressive she's been at, at Birmingham City how well they've done on such a small budget. And, you know, I understand that West Ham would certainly be interested in bringing her to the club, but obviously, you know, it depends on on the financial situation at Birmingham more than anything, whether or not Carla feels she's able to to further her career as a manager and take the club further um with with the current budget they have. And hopefully that they've seen enough of what Carla and the team have done on the pitch this season to to really support them
1: going into the January transfer window. You know Carla Ward well, Courtney. Um, would she be the right fit for West Ham? Um, I, I think she'd be a great fit, but I think, I, as
5: Molly said, it, it's now it's as much as this is a, a big thing for West Ham, it, it's it's now a, a massive decision for Birmingham. And I agree. I think they've they've got a backer in this January window, and and it will definitely be a turning point for them to see how. You know the women's club. It is viewed within the club because now they've they've she's done such a fantastic job, job effectively. Birmingham are, are safe for all intensive purposes. I think for me, um, so you know if they if they back her in January, she can sort of future plan the second half of the season then to next season. And you know if they don't do that, then I think she's got to go in and and not well, I wouldn't say take a chance, but she's definitely more than good enough to to be able to do it at that level. I think. You know there there will be increased pressure with a bigger budget, but I think she's the sort of person that will definitely be able to take that on and and um, bring bring the team together because that's what she's done at Birmingham. She's brought everyone together and, and dug them out of a hole, and and that's what West Ham need at the moment as well.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. Spurs also need themselves dug out of a hole because later on that Thursday afternoon, um, which I know Molly Hudson, you had off. I think you can't you can't take a day off. Look what happens when that happens. Uh, We heard the news that Tottenham had sacked their joint head coaches, Karen Hills and Juan Amoros, who took them from amateur to professional, got them promoted from the championship two seasons ago and had only signed new two-year deals back in September. Uh, The club said the decision hadn't been taken lightly but was in the best interests of the team, believing that a fresh approach would offer renewed impetus as they look to continue their upward trajectory and positive growth. Their words, not mine. Uh, That same day, they then announced the arrival of former Arsenal coach Rhian Skinner of course uh, very recently only just appointed um, assistant uh, coach to Phil Neville with the England set up so we'll talk about that appointment shortly but the actual uh, departure of these two coaches caught everybody by surprise again didn't it Molly?
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think it's particularly, I think we've spoken, you know, a couple of minutes ago about this feeling like it was a little bit of a turning point for West Ham. It feels like a turning point for the women's game that Joanne and Karen, they kind of built this club from literally nothing. They were driving mini buses and sorting out players' food and washing the kits. And then, you know, they transformed them, obviously, with investment into the women's super league a professional club and then it's it's almost like it's it's too much of a fairy tale to be real for the cold hard reality of professional football men or women's and you know I was only speaking sort of last weekend watching that that Bristol Bristol Tottenham game and thinking oh does it feel as though this Tottenham side has really moved on this season have they managed to step it up a level and to be honest, no, they probably haven't. They they probably don't look quite as good as they did last season for whatever reason. And perhaps that is just the case of needing a refresh, needing, you know, new insight, new new training methods. But it is difficult when, when you look at what Karen and Joanne have done for the club you know you do you do feel sorry for them a little bit for for the for the realities of management i suppose
1: yeah i mean it's a really difficult situation and listen i don't want to judge any club with the way that they do their business but i was very surprised with the timing of immediately then announcing rian skinner very shortly after that statement that was quite short um saying that these the these two coaches were leaving
2: yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's one of those where the similar kind of situation with Matt at West Ham is probably the decision was kind of made, you know, probably the week before. So, yes, it was still very quick, but it wasn't quite as quick as we found out the news. It wasn't quite as quick as, mm-hmm. right, you're in one day, the, the next one's in, you know. But I think, yeah, of course, it, it is difficult. It's harsh. But at the same time, when you're, when you're down there in the Women's Super League, you're you're near the bottom of the table. You need as much time as you possibly can, you know, for for Rianne to come in and and get to know the players and and get right stuck in with the training.
1: So, what is Rhianne's gonna going to bring then, Courtney? Um, she's a, a fantastic coach, first and foremost, in
5: terms of a uh, um, a technical and, and tactical information that she gives, and I've I've been lucky enough to be coached by her. But I think as well, she's um. She's she's got two sides to it in in the in the sense that she's fantastic. She will put an arm around you, but in another sense, if if you need telling, she's not she's definitely not afraid to tell you. Um, so yeah, I think she's a fantastic appointment, and you know she's had assistance jobs, and, and stuff like that. So I think it's good for her now to to be at the forefront and really show what she's about. And it, I think it's like we were saying, it's a strange one for Spurs, but I think maybe it's a sign of of where the the women's game's going. And as it gets more professional, there'll be more scrutiny and more spotlight on it. And I think Spurs, especially, you know, we know them as a club in the men's side that are quite cost effective and like to live by their means. So the last thing that they will want is for, for the women's team to drop out of the Super League. So as much as it, it does seem harsh and it's the fairy tale, and, you know, we would love to live on sentiment and history. And I can't take away what Karen and Juan have done, but I think they've tried to do it in, in the best interests of, of the club and keeping them in the WSL. And I, I must admit, I watched the Bristol Um, Spurs game and when I looked at the table after I was really surprised at sort of how far down the table they were so I think it's you know they've they've worked on worst case scenario unfortunately for Karen and Juan but you know I don't think they could get a better appointment than Rian Skinner
1: Really interesting. Be very, very interesting to see how both these teams get on as well. Uh, you are listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Carruthers, alongside Sheffield United forward Courtney Sweetman-Kirk and Molly Hudson from The Times. We, of course, everybody on the show wishes Matt Beard, Juan Amaros, and Karen Hills all the best with whatever they go on to do next. Uh, now then, she's a goal machine and she's been speaking to Talk Sport 2. You'll hear from the WSL's top scorer, Arsenal's Vivian Miedema next. on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football with Faker others, Sheffield United forward Courtney Sweetman-Kirk and Molly Hudson from The Times. Now, don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again on our podcast, that and the show are available on the TalkSport app. So you can download it today and go to our podcast section. Uh, Right now, then I want to ask both of you. It's a big question. So just just brace yourselves and have a good think. Since the WSL first started, which striker has impressed you most? Obviously, present company aside, Courtney, but who for you? <laughs>
5: um, it's got to be Vivian Miedema. She's, she's. I can't say enough superlatives about her, to be honest. She's absolutely fantastic. She's got a bit of everything. She could hit long-range effort. A movement is absolutely incredible to be in the right place at the right time, I think. Now a lot of people say about strikers oh, it's easy to tap in, but you've got to get there you've she can i think the best defenders sniff the danger and the best forward sniff the goals and she certainly does that um and I think in terms of um her continued development the way that now she started to bring um players into play as well, she can be that link player as well so I think you don't get me wrong there's been some fantastic strikers through the years, and you know maybe sort of you know the last generation let's say have maybe only caught the tail end of of the w s l uh, would have liked to have had a, a few more years playing. Um, as the WSL as it was, but no, without a doubt, Meadamara, and I think she will continue to to be fantastic um, and go down definitely
1: in WS history is the best striker. Molly Hudson, do you concur? I
2: think it's very hard to disagree there just because of, you know, when, when, when I go and sit in a press box, when I go and watch these games, you can't take your eyes off her. She's just incredible. And I remember when we were watching the North London derby earlier on this season, and it's like, well, should we go? If we do go, will she break the record? It's not whether she'll break the record. you know she's going to score? You know, that's really how good she is. And I think we we talk about Harry Kane in the men's game and that, like, almost a nine and a ten in one, and that's exactly what Miedema is for Arsenal. And as, as Courtney said, you know, she's just as good in terms of you know being a number 10 and linking up with her teammates and that just makes her that she it just takes her to that very next level i think
1: well listen i've got a treat for both of you and for everybody else listening because she doesn't speak very often but we were luckily lucky enough here on talk sport two to be able to sit down and talk with the woman herself and the arsenal and netherlands forward's been speaking to bradley hayden about breaking the all-time wsl goal scoring record
3: A fantastic achievement for yourself um i know you're still only 24 but where does this achievement rank in terms of your career so far
4: to be honest like for me it was just one of those things that i'm happy to get out of the way and we can just keep building and keep going um i think obviously like although i'm still quite young i've been at the club for a couple of years now Uh, i've been around for more than long enough you must get bored of me already but yeah, it's just obviously, it's something special. And I'm pretty sure that once I stop playing football, I'll reflect back on it and be like, wow, it was amazing. And it's pretty good what we what we and I achieved. Uh, but right now, I'm just focused on the next game.
3: Have you thought about what kind of legacy you want to you want to leave? Because you're now going to be considered an Arsenal legend and also a WSL legend as well.
4: Um, no, not really, to be honest. I think as I said, like I think there's a lot of people busier with it than I am. Um I just want to to be the best version of myself and that's all nine off the pitch. Um I'd like to be remembered as an a great player and an amazing team player. Um and I think that's something obviously you're working working on day in, day out. And um I hope that in in this season and whatever happens after. Um Yeah, I can just keep going and keep improving myself.
3: And scoring goals has been something you've done throughout your career, prolifically, even before you came to Arsenal and for your country as well. Where did that kind of goal scoring instinct come from?
4: Not sure, to be honest. My dad always says it's from him, but I'm pretty sure it's not um so i think it's just something that obviously like i created along the way like as as you probably all know i started off as a 10. Uh, i got pushed up as a nine because we didn't really have an, an another number nine at national team at that uh, moment and i think it's something that just came in um yeah naturally like I, i've never really thought about it i've never really focused on it too much i think The type of person I am on and off the pitch is that I'm quite relaxed. Um, I'd like to take my time and and make the right decisions. And that's how I feel on the pitch. And I think because I am calm, um, I mostly know what to do in front of goal.
3: And, you know, we're talking to an Arsenal legend right now. One of your biggest fans is an Arsenal legend as well, in the shape of Ian Wright, who's always tweeting about you online and giving you lots of support. What have you made of, of the support he's given you? And, you know, the, the, the whole support he's given the whole league as well?
4: I think it's mostly amazing for, like, a uh, professional, well, ex or professional footballer to... Yeah, to be interested in women's football, and I think we need that way more. I think uh, he's the prime example of of knowing um, that women's football is rising and that is becoming uh, bigger and better. And obviously, I'm pretty sure his daughters and his granddaughters are playing a big part of it. Um, but it's amazing to have uh, big legends on board with us. And as I said, like even for me as a player, like obviously I catch up with him quite a lot of times at the moment with uh for different reasons for Adidas for Barclays um it's nice to have someone to speak to and it's nice to have someone to share your frustrations with some, sometimes as well
3: and lastly for me um how quickly can we expect you to get to 100 now then
4: and another 50 games <laughs> no, <laughs> i'm not going to say that definitely not um i think as i said like my main goal is to help the team and if they want me if they need me to score goals then i hope i can bring that for them and to them um and if not then i'm pretty sure that i can can help them in other ways and i mean i hope the hundred will come one day but it's still far far away
1: I'm not sure how far away it is, probably not as far away as she is suggesting. Very humble there, Viviane Miedema, the Arsenal and Netherlands forward, talking to TalkSport 2's Bradley Hayden. We don't get to hear from her that often, Courtney, but she speaks so well, doesn't she? And, you know, she really is going down as a proper legend of the women's game here in the UK.
5: Yeah, she comes across really well, and I think like like she said in that interview it she's not just about her goals it's about her contribution to the to the team and and yeah she comes across really well and I think on the pitch as well I love how she sort of saunters about I would say she's nonchalant she's not arrogant but she's nonchalant and I think for for a forward you need a bit of that a bit of self-confidence in yourself and you know when you when you are having score goals for the team it sometimes can be a big pressure so to have that self-belief is really important and
1: as you say I don't think you know that hundred goals I don't think it'll be too far away at all. I'm sure it won't and just finally Molly I mean whenever I watch her particularly live you really get her stature and she's so graceful on the pitch she doesn't even look like she's trying. Definitely and I think that's that's what it is as Courtney said she, she does have that
2: nonsense about her but what you see is that she delivers time and time again, and particularly in thinking about the, the Chelsea draw the other week, and there was a lot of build-up about, well, can Miedemar actually do it in the big games? You know, Is she overhyped? Does she only do it against the smaller teams? And you, you get to that game and, and you see her run for the Arsenal goal, and it just showed that extra side of her that not only is she so good at scoring, she has a turn of pace, which people people probably underestimate her for. She's got a brilliant eye for a pass, you know, pinpoint pass for for Beth Mead to tap home. And, you know, Joe Montemurro, the Arsenal manager said afterwards it, it was a moment of magic for Viv, and that's what it was. And she has that ability to produce those moments of magic almost it seems whenever she wants to and she has that true star quality. And for for anybody that is maybe new to the women's game or you know a fan of the game She is really a
1: joy to watch. She absolutely is. And Magic Miedemar. And uh, as Courtney Sweetman-Kirk said, not enough superlatives uh, for her. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others, alongside Molly Hudson from The Times and Sheffield United's Courtney Sweetman-Kirk. If you miss any of the show, you can catch up by downloading the TalkSport app and subscribing to our podcast. Just search TalkSport Women's Football Weekly. And coming up on the only dedicated national radio show for women's football, we're taking a closer look at the championship. On Talk Sport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others, alongside Sheffield United forward Courtney Sweetman Kirk and Molly Hudson from The Times. Now then, we don't get to concentrate too much on the women's championship because there's always so much to get through on a Monday. So we're pausing the rest of the news to focus on the second tier of women's football, which at the moment is a fascinating tussle at the top and the bottom.
0: This is well what about that for a through ball? Penock. 1-0 to Sheffield
5: United. And the finish was good, but the through ball was something else. He leaves it for Morgan. Oh, it's a muddle between the defender and the goalkeeper. And in pops Katie Wilkinson. Her
3: sixth goal in the championship this season. Lumsden. That is a match-winning save. From the former Liverpool goalkeeper Frank Kitchen, crossing for Surrey. Too deep. Harry Matthews. Durham stay top. They stay unbeaten. They've beaten second place Sheffield United in their own backyard. Sheffield United nil. Durham one.
1: I'm so sorry, Courtney Swimmenkirk, for that being the main piece of audio that we used, your defeat to to Durham. We'll talk about your win. You rectified it, 1-0 win over Charlton at the weekend. Um, But let's talk Durham, first of all. Um, We have a a, a fantastic uh, friend of the show, Derek Purcell, who messages us without fail every single week saying, please talk about Durham. Well, Derek, your wish is our command. You are top of the table, 18 points, 8 games played... And they've just been phenomenal this season, haven't they, uh, Courtney? You've played them most recently. What's so great about them this season?
5: You know what they've added massively to their game? And, and this is no disrespect to, to teams gone by. They've always been very, very difficult to beat. They've always been very physical, but maybe um, not not so great on the ball as they are now. But that's what they've added to their game. They play through the first. They're very confident on the ball. And... Um, fantastic sort of technical ability in in players like Beth Heppel and, and Emily Roberts so yeah they've, they've added that technicality to their game and they yeah they're so hard to be i think uh, if if um i'm correct i think they're sort of hybrid full time as well so i think they're four days a weekish and um, so again i i see adding that contact time is definitely added to to how good they are on the ball now well why still keeping that physicality and, and and that defensive um solidness that they have so yeah i can't i can't say enough good words about them unfortunately at the
1: moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you've uh, they've got a game in hand over you as well you're just a point behind them in in third place that that win taking you up to, to third against charlton at the weekend um but molly uh, they've got a really big fan base as well Twelve thousand fans watched the live stream of their match against uh aston villa in the league cup last week
2: yeah, I do think, you know, we, we laugh about about kind of Durham and, and Derek always wanting us to talk about them. But you know what? We probably should talk about them more. We are probably underestimating them. And I would say that because you, you look at teams like Liverpool that have obviously dropped down into the division that are professional. Teams like Leicester City that have invested and gone professional. Actually, Durham, yes, they've, they've built slowly. They've gone from part-time to this hybrid model which Courtney kind of touched upon there. They've got really strong links with the university and they utilise that for them. They've become a kind of hub for women's football in, in the North because it's in, an area that has kind of been probably forgotten a little bit in terms of professional women's football. And they've utilised all of those things really well. And actually, when it comes down to this hugely competitive championship this season, if it comes down to, you know, those big games, as courtney said they're so difficult to play and i think that that is their strength when when you come and and play a liverpool or a leicester city out of any team in the championship durham are probably the ones that you think that's going to be a really tough game you know that you turn up there and it's going to be difficult and i think definitely they're, they're one of the favourites to, to maybe even get promoted this season.
1: Yeah, and, th- and this is where, when you look at the Championship and how tight it is at the moment, you're thinking maybe the system's got to change to have two up and two down.
2: 100%, 100% I think that. And, you know, that's credit to, to the players, to the division, to the clubs that have built, you know, the clubs like Durham and Sheffield United, who have, have slowly built and uh, increased better, better players, attractive, better players, you know, top, top managers. And I think now it probably is the time because when you get to the cup competitions, the FA Cup, the Continental Cup, you do actually see that these teams probably in the top half of the championship, they're there or thereabouts when you come to play the bottom half of the Women's Super League. And that's always been the main thing. If you have to go up, will they be able to compete? And I think currently, yes, I think they can. And I think that that has to be something that we look at going forward increasing the Women's Super League as much as some managers might not like the idea of that with more games to play I think it is the future for the women's game
1: yeah it's really interesting you say that Molly um Derek I hope we've done Durham justice there and I'm sure we'll try and get Lee Sanders on at some point soon as well Leicester City just behind them uh, a point behind them in fact also with that game in hand over Sheffield United a 9-1 win over Coventry last time out and I I was lucky enough to go up to Leicester actually um and and see how they've formed because they've got such an interesting story we talked about it on women's football weekly a while ago um it's it's family run and now they're under the the umbrella of the of the king power uh group and uh training um at the men's training ground with leicester city um and under jonathan morgan um that they're doing great things at the moment courtney
5: yeah definitely i think sort of know the morgans quite well myself and you know when the when the club sort of went down the leagues, they've rebuilt the club and and made sure they've they've got it back to where it needs to be. And yeah, under the umbrella of the men's club, which I think is is important going forward now for them. And they've done so well to get it to a place where it is obviously going full time. It's fantastic for for Leicester in general to to have a professional club. And I'm sure that they'll do really well. And you know whether it's this season they get promoted. Hopefully it's uh, it's us and and hot them, but um yeah i think in in the coming seasons they're they're definitely starting with a fantastic foundation and and will be in the w s l before long
1: Yeah, they still have a chance of getting into the quarterfinals of the uh, League Cup as well. They've still got to play Birmingham City, the last game in Group E there. Um, And of course, Durham as well have the opportunity to go up as second best runners up. We forgot to mention that, as do Crystal Palace, Uh, but still games to to be completed in in the League Cup. Uh, But let's talk Sheffield United under Neil Redfern, doing great things, Um, really built under Carla Ward as well. Um, I mean, I know that you played under uh, Neil at, at Liverpool as well Courtney but but what's he been able to do with Sheffield United since he's come in I know you've only come in this season What's what's been the difference there?
5: Yeah I think obviously sort of when managers leave it's it's always a difficult situation for a club so um, I wasn't actually there at the time when he first come in but you know spoke to the girls and what is, he did is he sort of stop the the crisis mode as it were i suppose and, and put everyone together and made sure that they they felt they was in a good place and he's good at that he's a sort of a, a feel-good manager he may, he makes people feel good and um obviously his coaching is quality as well so he's in, in, installed that bit of confidence and belief i think not that they didn't have that last season but like say when you lose a manager it's always hard um so yeah he's instilled that belief in everyone and you know, despite his, you know, being part time, we know that we can compete with with the clubs that are either hybrid or full time. And and yeah, I think he's, he's just such a positive man, I would say. He's, don't get me wrong. You don't want to get on the on the wrong side of him. And, and believe me, we've we've been on the end of a hairdryer recently. That wasn't the best. But, you know, he's um yeah, he's, he's brought everyone together and he's given us the belief that we can compete with anyone on our day.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is what I love about the championship. I mean, it's very like, very much like the men's championship. I absolutely love that league because it's so tight and it's exactly the same uh, in the women's championship because Liverpool, just two points behind. They've also got a game in hand. Sorry to keep rubbing that in. <laughs> uh, Vicky Jepson, obviously your former manager at, at Liverpool. Uh, it's well documented when you first came on the show, we talked about Liverpool and, and what they need to do in order to try and bounce straight back into the WSL. How are they getting on under Vicky Jepsen this season? Uh, yeah, they're,
5: they're doing well. I think, you know, most of the girls knew that how competitive the championship was and obviously it's been proven. I think, you know, some people from the outside might have expected Liverpool to walk the league because obviously they've come down from the WSL. They still stayed full time. But as you've said, I think one of the, the best things about the championship is is how competitive it is. And I think that that's what the league needs. That's what the women's pyramid needs. And, and that's why Obviously, the w, WSL was inaugurated to make sure that it wasn't the same teams winning um, every week. And, and we've seen that, especially this year with, with the WSL as well. It's been so competitive. And I agree with Molly. I think, you know, th- those top four teams, they can compete on any given day. And I think going forward, that's what the WSL really needs. It needs to be expanded. And and like I say, you've got four teams there that, that could easily compete at that level, given, you know, everything's in the right place in terms of, of the finances and everything that WSL needs to, you know to have a license to be in there so yeah it's exciting time for
1: women's football pyramid I think yeah it really really is um, and we'll talk a little bit further down the pyramid and what the money um, from the government actually means the three million pound bailout but just want to uh, wrap up the table as it as it stands because Blackburn are in fifth after that goalless draw uh, with Liverpool Gemma Donnelly's side four games unbeaten now uh, Lewis as well in sixth uh, on 11 points they're uh, strengthening as well Simon Parker is they brought in midfielder Lucy Porter who uh, started her career at, uh, at Villa as a kid and has been out in uh, in the USA uh, Crystal Palace then in 7th and then uh, tight at the bottom as well London City Lionesses under interim head coach uh, Melissa Phillips um, uh, they're on 7 in 8th and play Coventry next to a ninth. Uh, and then you've got London Bees and Charlton Athletic uh, propping up at the bottom so it's tight at the top and the bottom and I just want to discuss this uh, 3 million pound government bailout for women's football Um, really interesting uh, discussion the FA are going to talk about means testing uh, that bailout to make sure it doesn't hand the cash over to to the Premier League clubs which is really important because you know all those sides the nine of them uh, in the WSL in particular that are linked with the with the men's clubs can't have an unfair advantage when when the checks are handed out Corny.
5: Yeah, I think that's needed. The FA have have done that right, I think, if if they do it that way, because, you know, we've talked about this before in terms of some of the, you know, the financial backing that some clubs have got compared to others. And I think, you know, with everything that's happened with the pandemic, it it needs to be make it as as a level playing field as possible. And I think the the thing that sort of baffled me was the lack of funding, though, for further down in, in the National Leagues, which I think, you know, they're probably suffering more than more than the top two leagues. And again, I think we need, really need to look after our pyramid to make sure that it, it progresses as a whole. But I think it's the right step forwards to, to means test it. And hopefully, you know, there are clubs in, in massive amounts of financial trouble because, as you know, the women's football
1: is on a massive trajectory at the minute and it'd be a shame to lose everything that we've gained. Yeah, absolutely. And just finally, Molly, the announcement today that up to 4,000 fans will be allowed back into stadia from next month. How much is that going to help clubs? Yeah, it's hugely
2: exciting, and I think you know, particularly for for women's fans, all we seem to do is, is talk about attendances when we're in women's football, and you know, the, there's been a huge huge rise in in interest in the game. There's there's been lots of stars come over into the women's Super League. The Championship, as we've discussed, is probably the most competitive it's ever been. So I think this is the time you really do want to to attract people to get bums on seats and, and anything that kind of gets us one step closer to that is a massive positive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport. Two. I'm Faker Others alongside Sheffield United forward Courtney Sweetman Kirk and Molly Hudson from the Times. If you miss any of the show, you can find our podcast by downloading the TalkSport app and searching for Women's Football Weekly. At next, we'll be getting to know Leicester City Women's captain Holly Morgan. Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker others and keeping you company with me is former Liverpool, now Sheffield United forward Courtney Sweetman-Kirk and Molly Hudson uh, from The Times. Now then, loads of stories around the world of women's football this week. Let's kick off with FIFA stepping up protection of female players and coaches. Uh, so basically, new maternity cover regulations uh, have been introduced aimed at protecting women footballers. Um, the proposed regulations are going to need FIFA Council approval in December though but what it would mean is players would be entitled to a minimum of 14 weeks of maternity cover on at least two-thirds of their salary and FIFA could potentially impose transfer bans on any clubs not meeting the new standards. What do you think of this then Molly?
2: Firstly I think it's a hugely positive step that FIFA have introduced this. Um, I think it's something that has probably been more brought to light you know by the likes of Alex Morgan um, and, and we've seen how important it is, you know, it's the same as in literally any other job you you would expect to be able to have maternity leave and, and women's football should be no different. I think it's a first step and it's an important first step, but there there are kind of areas in it that are a little bit grey, for example, in the build up to, to your pregnancy, if you're in the gym are you does that still count as being in full training because you you probably wouldn't be in full contact training you know a month or a couple of months before you give birth so there are still gray areas i think it it could be a lot more it could be a lot more comprehensive we've seen with morgan that you know it's difficult to come back when you've given birth it's you know it's a long process when when you're coming back to being a professional athlete but i think the main thing is that fifa have recognized that it was an area where they were really lacking and at least they're making the steps to kind of correct that now.
1: Yeah, and it is a start, isn't it? Um, What's also started is the Saudi Arabia Women's League, uh, finally. It had to be postponed, of course, because of the coronavirus pandemic. But uh, more than 600 players for 24 teams competing for a championship cup, which is uh, great news out there. And then this one was a shocker. Seven-time European champions Lyon seeing their 80-game unbeaten streak ending. Uh, They fell to their first defeat in almost four years at the hands of PSG. Uh, Courtney?
5: Yeah, very, very interesting one. And I think, again, we talk about leagues and I think what fans want to see is a competitive league. So I think that that will do hopefully wonders for the French League and be be a bit of a, a turning point because, you know, you know, years ago in the English League when Arsenal used to... To win everything it was fantastic for them but you know for everyone else and for the fans watching it, it probably wasn't overly interesting so hopefully that will spark a bit of a change in the french league yeah it
1: would be really exciting to, to see their dominance perhaps be tested uh, right then every week this season we pick a person a club organization or an event from the world of women's football to shine our spotlight on as we've been focusing on the championship this week we're going to shine our spotlight on leicester city captain jade morgan
0: I'm Holly Morgan and I am captain for Leicester City Women's Football Club. My style, I'm very simple, <laughs> um, very simple, so probably sometimes we'll go unnoticed. I just like to do the simple things well and effective and if I do that, then happy days, that's my job done. And as a defender, it's to keep the ball out of the back of the net, so whether we're in training or on a game day, I do not want that ball going in the back of the net, so you will always see passion and aggression and a never uh, die attitude. Beating Reading in the FA Cup, that was just a wonderful experience because we, you know, Reading, WSL 1 team, theoretically we weren't meant to beat them. If you're looking at, you know, leagues that we're in, they are full-time, we weren't full-time at that point and it was just electric, that environment and um, that memory of beating them the way that we did was fantastic and my second highlight would be when we won the league in 2015 in the same league the same year that Leicester actually won the Premier League we won all, all of our games 22 out of 22 and it was a final game against Wolves and it was 1-1 and in the last minute we scored to make it 2-1 to make it 22 out of 22 wins. And I'll never forget that game because it was just... It was a long season. And for us to be able to, like, come out with that achievement of winning all of our games in the way that we did, I just, yeah, I won't forget that. Oh, what do I love? It. You know what, I've been playing it for so long that sometimes I ask myself when it's a really cold evening or cold morning and I'm stood outside in the rain and I'm thinking, like, why am I doing this? And I, I just think its it's just... The sport itself, there's so much to it in terms of, you know, I'm competitive so I want to win, but being around a team um, and I love to coach as well so it's just not even about playing it's about learning the game and understanding it and then passing that knowledge on I think it's just As a sport, it's just all encompassing. You get so much from it that I can't really specify one thing. Something weird that they won't know about me. I don't know, you know, I think I can be quite boring. I play the piano, Uh, I really do enjoy that. So I guess that's a hobby that not many people know. I'm always watching football, so I enjoy watching different styles, different players, different characters. But if I had to pick one, I would probably say it would be Kante. Because I think sometimes I see, because he's so simple but effective, like he's aggressive on and off the ball. And he just, I just think he's a very clever player. So when I watch him, he's just, there's so much to his game that he makes, he makes it look so simple that I just find watching him quite mesmerising, to be honest.
1: That was Leicester City captain Holly Morgan talking to us. And she's not boring, Courtney, is she? No,
5: she's, just, she's never been boring when
1: I knew her. Uh,
5: maybe she's mellowed in her old age, but yeah, she's, she's a really, really nice girl and I'd say great family. So, so pleased for them and what they've achieved with Leicester and will continue to achieve.
1: And neither of you two have been boring. You've been great company this evening on Women's Football Weekly. Pleasure to have you with us as ever. Uh, thanks to Courtney Sweetman-Kirk, Molly Hudson, Holly Morgan, Vivian Miedemar and all of you as ever.